Hi, and welcome to Soul Powerful Parables, stories of rhyme, reason, and God's truth. I'm your host, Dana Buck. Thanks for listening. And if you like the story, please consider subscribing and give us a five-star rating where you enjoy your podcasts. It really helps us. We'd also love to hear from you, so contact us on Facebook at Soul Powerful Parables. Now, settle in, and let's have a story. Bernard Taggart Swain, A So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. Be careful, do not do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Matthew 6, verse 1-4 through 4. This parable is a reminder to keep our pride from getting in the way of our good intentions. Bernard Taggart Swain A So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. Allow me to relate a tale that's got to be worth telling. I hope you find it relevant, instructive, and compelling. It isn't written simply for amusement or for kicks. The real foundation for it lives in Matthew, chapter 6. The lessons here are timeless and the admonitions rife. Let's see if with some imagery we can bring it all to life. Picture, if you will, a village nestled in a valley. The residents, industrious, too numerous to tally, perform assorted daily work through varied occupations, a stable, normal, average town by every indication. Our village is subservient through mutual accord and subject to the ministrations of an overlord. He rules with kingly wisdom through a firm and steady hand, and there is peace and happiness enjoyed throughout the land. Among his lordship's edicts and provisional commands stands one that every citizen's engagement he demands. The Lord tasks all his subjects to defend and help the poor, assisting those in greatest need to prosper and endure. His decree is very clear and leaves no room for controversy. Be a generous society defined by love and mercy. So the residents contribute what their proper measure be directly to the overlord's grand royal treasury. On tribute day, they gather in the square, set up a queue, and each and every member of the town brings what is due. Now one of these constituents gives thought to this routine, and here we meet the man key to this tale and what it means. His name is Bernard Taggart Swain, a prosperous, wealthy merchant. His fortune is significant, his opulence emergent. Prophet seems to find him like the ocean finds the sand. He's by far the most affluent resident in all the land. But lest you think his wealth is kept unshared and you begrudge him, or take him for a miser or a scrooge, then you misjudge him. 
For he's ever so fastidious, this providential gent, to always calculate and pay his tithe of 10%. He's thankful for the prosperity the overlord provides and views this as a fee he owes, this obligated tithe. Like wages to his workers, overhead to swell the till, Swain scrupulously pays his tithe like any other bill. This evening, Bernard Taggart Swain is feeling rather giddy. He's examined his accounts, and they are looking mighty pretty. The time to make an offering has finally arrived, and he is quite astonished at the volume of his tithe. His recent spate of business has borne fruit as none before, and no matter what all others bring, he knows that he'll bring more. Is it right my contribution is received like all the rest, like every other man who only offers so much less? Shouldn't there be recognition, something to imply that here is someone special, not some average passerby? Well, this sets him to ponder as his thoughts rotate and shift how he can magnify the handing over of his gift. I'll make my tithe at noon when there are crowds within the square and create some kind of spectacle to make them all aware. A troop of traveling troubadours will pluck their lyres and sing of the size, the mass, the great proportions of the gift I bring. Then wearing silks and linens, hat with plumes so feathery, I'll humbly make my entrance at the village treasury and present a gilded box with my donation laid inside then the town will know the volume and the value of my tithe. Then all will be invited to partake in food and drink. I'll throw everything into this gala but the kitchen sink. All the pageantry, the flourishes, the bling I can afford. Of course, it's all intended to exalt the overlord. His flagging spirits lifted like the drinking of a potion, and he gathered up his servants to now put this plan in motion. Meanwhile, at the treasury, the plans have all been laid to accept and to facilitate the tithes and offerings made. Tables are provided outside on the portico where people who are dropping off their gifts can come and go. The overlord is present, sitting in a simple chair, acknowledging and thanking those who enter from the square. The affair is moving nicely as the day rolls into noon when a marching band appears engaging in a lively tune. Majorettes come tumbling, bouncing, dancing through the square, toting silver-tipped batons all twirling through the air. As the buzz of shocked excitement through the gathered people courses, the square is next invaded by a troop of prancing horses. And post these palominos with trick riders on their backs come fire-breathers, jugglers, men on stilts, and acrobats. Ballad-singing troubadours in clusters next arrived, all vocalizing lyrics about a monumental tithe. And when it seems the square is filled with feet and hooves and paws, comes an ostentatious sight that makes the people drop their jaws. A great and gilded throne is lifted high upon two poles. It's carried by attendants wearing green and scarlet stoles. Several dozen servants follow in its aftermath, while before it, lovely lasses toss rose petals in its path. And seated on the throne, all draped in silk and golden chains, tossing silver coins into the crowd, is Bernard Taggart Swain. 
like an oriental rajah, foreign potentate or czar, stacks of bright doubloons in one hand and the other caviar. He advances through the mayhem on his grandly toted chair till he's just outside the treasury at the far end of the square. Stopping at the portico, his lofty seat descends. Stepping quickly to the flagstones, he then briskly claps his hands. Sweating, struggling servants, muscles bulging, do their best as they lug a heavy-laden, jewel-encrusted treasure chest. Angling toward the overlord, they stagger and they strain, and giving all they have, they follow Bernard Taggart Swain. As Swain and his attendants reach the overlord's fine chair, they're shocked to find it empty. He's no longer sitting there. He's moved some ways away, stands with his back to the sensation, and visits with two peasants who have brought a small donation. Bernard Taggart Swain finds this occurrence very strange. As he moves to where they tarry, he can hear their brief exchange. Thank you for your sacrifice, the overlord pronounces. The touching generosity your lovely gift announces. It hasn't gone unnoticed that you've often gone without and modeled for your family what love is all about. It gives me greatest pleasure to assure and guarantee that when you honor those in need, you also honor me. He offers them his hand and also heartfelt brief embraces. They then depart his presence with glad tears upon their faces. Well, Bernard Taggart Swain now feels his strategy is afloat, so he does the only thing he can and loudly clears his throat. The overlord turns slowly, his demeanor calm or bane. With muted smile, he comments, Good to see you, Mr. Swain. Overcome by his confusion, Swain can feel his conscience writhe. He stammers and he stutters, I, 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 I brought my tithe. The overlord responds with no pretentiousness or flair. Please ask your hired personnel to leave it by my chair. As Swain stands mouth agape, astonished, stupefied, and daunted, the overlord inquires, was there something else you wanted? With tongue as dry as parchment, beaded forehead growing moist, Swain shakes his head, balls up his fists, and finally finds his voice. I've brought the largest offering ever made, he said, insisting. It's calculation flawless. Not a single coin is missing. A veritable fortune in that jewel chest I've laid, a, a thousand times the offering that peasant couple made. Yet you give their small, pathetic sum what seems your highest rank, while I get no acknowledgment or hear one word of thanks. With his face now red with outburst and his breath both high and labored, the overlord's reply cut his assumptions like a saber. I'm afraid you are the reason for my gratitude's removal, for you've structured your contributing to gain the town's approval. When a gift is given humbly, it's as warm as finest wool. But when you seek the praise of men, then you receive your thanks in full. It's not the sum of money that may lie within a chest, but rather it's the heart behind the giving. That's the test. I'd rather get one farthing from a home where self's denied than ten million treasure chests that serve to stroke destructive pride. Your tithe? It is substantial, adding up in its redundance, yet still a small percentage of significant abundance. The couple that you mentioned, those who made their small donation, 
they do it from a difficult financial situation. Their tithe comes not from profit, business prowess, or excess, but sacrifice, so they can favor those with even less. I know that you're a gifted, fine financial calculator. When viewed by pure percentage, tell me whose offering is greater. Bernard Taggart Swain, he nearly fell upon the ground, for the overlord's oration turned his viewpoint upside down. The veneer, now stripped away, exposed a none-too-good dominion in which giving masqueraded as a grasp for good opinion. Now faced with bitter truth that pierced his soul just like a dart, he was honestly appalled at the condition of his heart. The overlord stood watching truth impact him like a boulder as Swain's head slowly fell. He put his arm around his shoulder. I'll tell you something many people never realize, even though the evidence is right before their eyes. We've come to think that offering is to benefit the poor. The truth is living generously returns us so much more. There is freedom found in giving unrestricted altruism, for without the gift of sharing, our possessions are our prison. They encumber us, defining who we are and what we do, till eventually no one can tell exactly who owns who. Disabling our compassion for the downtrodden and needy consigns us to the darkness of the carnal and the greedy. That's why the poor are honored, why my laws in that way delve. Yes, those in need are special, for they save us from ourselves. The overlord, he smiled, was neither dubious or coy. I want none to walk in darkness and want all to live in joy. Swain then raised his head in one part question, one part plea. He asked, tell me, is there restitution for a man like me? The overlord replied without a hint of any scorning. That's the beauty of our choices. They're new each and every morning. Bernard Taggart Swain felt something new and different start as the weight of pride and selfishness was lifted from his heart. Bowing to the overlord, he retreated to the square and rounded up the majorettes, the riders and their mares. He paid them all, the acrobats, the troubadours, the band, and with his servants traveled home a very different man. Where once prevailed a glutton, a self-centered devotee, instead now modeled selflessness and generosity. His home became the center of compassion in the town, his charity, humility, and character, renown. But the greatest attribute of the so many so adored was his unrelenting faithfulness to serve the overlord. For he'd learned the greatest precept, one that all should know and live. A man is never more completely free than when he gives. Oh yes, one other thing. Recall that peasant couple's strain? They both now have well-paying jobs. Thanks to Bernard Taggart Swain. Matthew 6, verse 1 through 4, is a section of scripture we should all pay attention to. Bernard Taggart Swain's story is obvious and larger than life, but many times doing things for the glory of God and not for our own praise or recognition can be a very thin, blurry line. 
The motivation behind an act of kindness or obedience is truly only known by that individual and by God. It's important to know that this principle isn't confined to financial giving. How often do we seek kudos for the good things we've done? How often has an attempt to gain recognition been disguised as our sharing a praise or a prayer request? If we're completely honest with ourselves, we've all done it. Here's something I encourage you to try. The next time you have an opportunity to perform an act of kindness or assist someone in need, look to God and say out loud, this is just for you. Make a conscious, sacred commitment to keep this act between you and God. What you'll find is a deep sense of satisfaction knowing whatever you did was unto the Lord and for His pleasure alone. When we seek the praises of men, we have our reward in full. When we seek the purity of honoring God and Him alone with our actions, we know the depth of this sincere and intimate relationship with Him. And after all, isn't that what we're all looking for? We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Bernard Taggart Swain was written and narrated by Dana Buck. Devotional thoughts were narrated by Kim Pratt, and this episode was produced by Beneath Blue Skies Productions. So Powerful Parables is a ministry of So Powerful, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women and girls and combating extreme poverty in the African country of Zambia. To find out more, visit our website at sopowerful.org. Also, check out our books, So Powerful Parables and We Are So Powerful, both available on Amazon. All proceeds from the sale of these books go to support the work of our ministry. And finally, check out our other podcast, The So Powerful Podcast, featuring interviews with those who have been touched by this special organization. Until next time, may your life always be filled with beautiful rhymes.